Howdy, folks. Before we get into part two of our interview with former Stillwater Mayor John Bartley, I wanted to tease you with a new project at Studio Stillwater called In the Newsroom, where managing editor Bo Simmons leads a bullpen chat among reporters and editors about the week's news. This week, you'll hear Michelle Charles share Randy Blake's COVID recovery story and what it's like when you write about people you've known for a long time. Tanner Hullabar digs deeper into Oklahoma's place as a prehistoric home of the most enormous dinosaurs ever found. If you ever wanted more details on local news and the humans that write it, In the Newsroom is a must-listen local podcast. Now here's part two of our chat with John Bartley. Enjoy. Here are all the big, the big bubbles. You, you put the money where you want it to go. Again, another tool just like this sign. And so, again, now you go to the city's website, and it's the same kind of thing. But, again, drip, 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 drip. Well, I kind of feel like we have a pretty well-informed electorate. I think in comparison to most. But that still doesn't get a bond issue passed, right? Depending on the bond. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> but let me phrase that. It left a mark. It, it, it did leave, it did right. leave a mark. Uh, it also, I learned a lot. I, I learned a ton, and I learned a ton of what could work. I learned a ton of what doesn't work, and it's one of those, when I look back on that, all those ideas are were valid then, and they're valid now. Our implementation had some holes. <laughs> you know, and all of those, a lot of those ideas have come up again since then. Yes, they have. You know, individually or in different contexts. Yep. So apparently they were not terrible ideas. They were not terrible were ideas. Just, just, not the packaging, I guess, just right? Just the packaging or the the scope or the, the timing. I mean, all those things all work together on, on bonds. But, you, Bo, you are correct that we do have a, a, a pretty well-informed electorate. and But that doesn't mean that they necessarily have truly stepped back and gone what is they want from government and that that's that's a drum that i would really like to to keep hitting on is was what do you want from your government and kind of where we started with the you know core services only right. mindset but there are some people who still feel that way that, that, without like a doubt day in day out that this that a city government should only be providing police fire water sewer roads Pick up the garbage and then get out of the way. And, and, and nothing else. And it was, it was about a month ago. I, I was only supposed to give a little introduction to the young professional group for, at their breakfast meeting. And it turned into, I was there the whole time. It was, it was, it was became part of a presenter, um, which was really cool because of the 30 people in the room, I only knew like two of them. And so it was, it was awesome getting to interact and meet meet some people that I didn't know before. But as I was listening to them talk, and it really kind of was swirling, the conversation swirled around local government and actually the Government Affairs Committee with the Chambers, where that was the main topic. But it starts swirling around about what do we as a community need? And in this room of, you know, 30-ish or so people that probably range from mid-20s to under 40, I started picking up this vibe from them, and it caused me to ask them that, ask them that question of, okay, you say we need jobs, and you brought up we need, you know, you think a community-wide Wi-Fi, you know, it's a utility mindset, and they brought up a couple other, you know, really big, big, broad topics, and I, I finally said to them, okay, so who should be the person or the group that is responsible for that? Who should be the driver towards it? Who needs to be the one that is trying to get that accomplished? And I got a bunch of blank stares. And I kind of thought, okay, did I not ask the question well? Did I, did I use <laughs> words that didn't sound clear to me? And when I got these blank stares, I said, do I need to ask the question you would ask? And they, and they kind of went, no, we just hadn't really thought of that. And and again, this is this is a small sample. I fully admit that. But in their mind, it was government, government, weight on the government. The government should be, city council should be doing these things. Let's take this to city council. And when I kind of, turned it on its head 
said, okay, why? Why, why, if this is something that's important to the community, why wait on the government to do it? Michelle, do you remember when I was on council and I started talking about guerrilla gardening? Yes. Yes. Okay. And it was tactical urbanism, tactical is, urbanism. is the generic term yes. for it. That is, 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 you know, kind of a, the genesis of that question I asked these people just a month ago is, hey, we've got a problem. I can identify a problem. I think I can identify a solution. Now, who's the right person to implement the solution? It doesn't just have to be government. Now, some things, you, you want a new road? <laughs> yes. Lots of layers of government. You don't really want people committing tactical urbanism on roads no, and building roads. No. Let's just say that. Yeah. And for people who don't understand what that is, it's just the idea. Say you've got a big, ugly, vacant lot in your neighborhood and it's a hazard. It's whatever. Okay. So one day the neighborhood just decides we're going to go clean this up and we're going to make a community garden. And eventually if someone's mad about that, we'll deal with it. It's, yep. it's a little bit asking for forgiveness rather than permission and ma- to make your community better though it's not yeah, it's to do community. destructive things again back on the social media yeah. use the tool for good or for evil tactical urbanism is identify a problem is something that me or a group or you know I, right. I can put something together and we can solve this very localized issue for an improvement and don't wait for somebody in an official capacity to come do it yep and yes actually in in if you Go look up the book, Tactical, Tactical Urbanism. It actually, t- there's a chapter talking about filling potholes. I've seen things on what people and, do with potholes. I, I, I don't recommend. I'm not advocating people you, filling up their own, filling do, potholes. I'm do not, you not want people planting flowers in potholes, John? Yeah, uh, <laughs> they won't last. Yeah. But the the I think one of the best stories out of that book was a, a, a man in Chicago would just randomly raise, you know, ask for change from people. And he had determined that it costs about $200 for him to fill a pothole. And when he would get $200 in change, he'd buy the materials and fill a pothole in, in his, I'm going to say neighborhood, I mean, his larger area. But it wouldn't just go and pour asphalt in it. He would actually make it a mosaic. And so he would have tile and he would make a design in that pothole. Again, not advocating that that's the right answer. I think he could have won a city council race. I think, I think you're that, probably I right. I think, uh, yeah, you go around filling up potholes. I actually saw something just the other day where people are doing that with cracks in sidewalks. There's this artist who goes in and does these gorgeous mosaics in these spots. And, and I can't even remember what city it's in, but I thought, this is what we need. <laughs> and, and once again, he's not asking for permission. Right? The artist is not asking for permission. And I would hope that if he gets instructed to stop, that, that he stops or not hit the artist's choice you know and if nothing else it draws attention to the issue doesn't it it, it does and it, <laughs> and it does it in a positive way instead right. of just going out with orange spray paint and <laughs> holding up a placard you know right. it's you're actually trying to solve something right so but anyway rolling all of that back it's, it's one of those i think that is a, a great question for us is what do we want from the government and I think it's wise to recognize that just because your mindset is a certain way, that doesn't mean everyone's mindset is a certain way. And it doesn't mean that the majority of people's mindset is the way you think. And it doesn't make them wrong, and it doesn't make you wrong. It's just a difference of opinion of what needs to happen. And we as a society... And I'll even throw civilized society in there. Our job is to figure out how to make those ideas coalesce together and try and make things the best for everyone with the constraints that we already have. And I think that is kind of a challenge. I mean, you're looking at, you know, I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to talk about with you before we we started this. And, you know, the idea of these, not divisions necessarily, but these different sort of groups in the community that might have competing interests. And sometimes they have the same end goal. They just have different ideas about how to get there. But, you know, we've got a pretty strong group of younger people. We're a university town. But then at the same time, we have a pretty strong contingent of older residents. You know, we're one of Oklahoma's 
first certified retire. We are the very first certified retirement community in Oklahoma. Didn't so, know that. Yes. So we have, you know, so we have young and old. We've got progressive and more conservative. We've got. You know, we've got the university kind of oriented community. We've got the we've got the townies. I always call myself a townie. You know, and then you've got all these different socioeconomic groups, right? right? I mean, so many competing interests and so many and every one of them has really valid needs. I mean, that's got to be such a challenge trying to figure out how to balance all those and serve everybody the best you can. How do you approach that? I, I think you, you've nailed it in that we are we are far from a like-minded group of people just happening to live in the same you know two zip codes <laughs> I mean, it's there is a there's a lot of you know thought process diversity there is a lot of age diversity there's a lot of what i think is best diversity and a couple that we also have a a very high degree of people that do truly think they're right and are very confident in their positions. And that bodes well in a lot of ways. And it is makes it harder in others. I think that I'm going to give a comparison. I think what makes that issue in Stillwater and, and I guess what makes it hard in Stillwater, in my opinion, is all of a sudden I've got 20 people on each side of an issue. And I'm going, oh, okay, I, I, if I had one person here that doesn't have a lot of credibility in what they're talking about, and I've got 20 people here that do have credibility in what they're talking about, that makes it a little bit easier to try and discern through. But when I'm sitting there kind of looking at, I'm, I've kind of got equal numbers with equal credibility, with equally valid, you know, positions and, and on the issues, I'm, I'm, I, it, that's not helping me try and discern the public you know mindset and by the way as i say this i'm not talking about which way is the wind blowing i'm talking about that all but impossible thing that elected officials have to do which is balance out the i am representing people versus i have to operate off my final determination and a lot that gets posed a lot of do you represent people or are you making your own decisions to me, that's not a yes/no question. There's a spectrum there, mm-hmm. and it's gonna it's gonna bounce around and back and forth and land some. You know, one issue may land one direction, one the other. But with so much difference in opinion and so many different groups and competing interests in Stillwater, that all seem to kind of carry the same weight on a lot of of issues. Where I think that sets us apart compared to a lot of other communities is really due to our size. In the, as far as number of people, in that we are a large enough community that y- y- there's no way to know everybody. Y- y- you can't do it. You may be the most popular person in town. You don't know everybody. You j- j- we're, we're too big for that now. Exactly. So in a town where you can know everybody, it's kind of a little bit easier to get get the lay of the land and, and, and know how to do things. So let's jump from that really small community. Now let's jump up to a appreciably larger community. Let's jump up to, you know, an Oklahoma City, a Dallas, a a, a, a a large city. There, there are so many more groups so spread out that that one topic rarely is going to get the airplay and the attention of the community unless it is really that big. In Oklahoma City maps always gets the airplay, but in Oklahoma City, the, the the pothole getting filled on Southwest 104th isn't getting the airplay. Whereas in our size community, the pothole not getting filled on Perkins Road does get airplay. So right. it's, it's we're sitting there in that awkward teenager kind of moment of we're we're. We're, we're too big to be small town, but we're not big enough to be big town, and we got to deal with the bad side of both. I feel like someone could take that soundbite and then make the <laughs> argument for a ward system in, in Stillwater. I mean, you think and there that are pros comes and up. cons system? That comes up periodically, it, it doesn't does. it? Do you think there would be advantages? I mean... Oh, I'm, I'm kind of torn on the ward system, and I was, I was torn when I was on council, and the I really appreciate and see value in a ward system 
from a representation standpoint that a geographic when we talk word the only way we can split it up is geographically i mean that's that's got to be the the the, the dividing lines right. and so having someone from each geographic sector however it's split up i can see some value in that i still when i weigh everything out i still lean against award system with really the 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 main reason kind of that i no one's broken this no one's broken this tie you know this this one is still the biggie to me as soon as you have a ward system it by definition goes from i represent stillwater to i represent ward two and i'm gonna fight for ward two ward three who cares there you know it just doesn't matter the other down the potential for that i'm not saying everyone would be that way but the potential is there for that hey let's look at congress and leave that alone (laughs) the other potential downside i think we can point to a very real world example is school board they've got wards but it's a citywide vote so it doesn't you're avoiding that the one of the issues i brought up before of not caring when it's a citywide vote, but with wards, the downside that school board has experienced, especially over the last 15 to 20 years, has been no one in that geographic ward is willing to step up. But in this geographic ward, there are like three. Mm-hmm. Again, there's no perfect system. That's just that's 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 a big time issue that mm-hmm. we need to really get comfortable with. Uh, Something on the other hand that occurs to me, though, is I look at our city councils in general, is that overall, I mean, it's pretty, pretty culturally and socioeconomically homogenous most of the time. It's it's one of those, I I, I tend to agree with you. You, If you look from 2012 forward, we have We've at least broken. It's not all a bunch of old white men. And, you know, we've had actually quite a bit of time now where it's been a majority female. But the from a racial standpoint, man, we're, we're, we're not doing good from a socioeconomic standpoint. It, yeah, we're not doing good at all. I don't have good solutions but I completely agree with you on the identification of the issue. I have to say, one of my favorite meetings ever was the time Cody Scott showed up for a meeting, completely sweaty, wearing shorts and a t-shirt, because he had he's an electrician by trade. Yep. And he ran for city council, and he had just crawled out of someone's attic in the middle of summer after doing an electrical job. He'd been up there like rushed, eight straight hours. And rushed to the city council meeting. And I was like, you go, Cody. <laughs> and I <laughs> well, So maybe you were like, you go, Cody. But yeah, it was, you know, but I loved that because it's like, this is a guy literally earning a living by the sweat of his brow yep. who is up here, who has that perspective. I remember when Ruth Ann Kennedy was on the school, uh, was on the uh, city council and Ruth Ann grew up in Tuckertown and she brought that perspective with her to meetings, you know, and, and it's just a Tucker edition is a little addition on the uh, east side of Perkins Road, south of 13th. Some of the houses were not on city sewer for many, very many years. I don't know that very, some of them. very old subdivision. Those are some of the as one of the original neighborhoods. Yes. Of yes. And it's just, you know, it kind of, you know, very modest homes, people with modest incomes. And I loved that Ruth Ann brought that girl from Tuckertown perspective to the city council. And she would bring up questions that never even occurred to anyone else. And that's where I think the diversity really has so much value is just, if it's not part of your experience, it may not even occur to you. Absolutely. And I'm as a, not so much city council, but to really put a, a, a nail on that one, I work with a group called Stillwater Cares. And it's the, the purpose of this group. It's really a, a think tank with how do we work on alleviating and breaking the cycle of generational poverty? Well, one issue that got brought to us was a, a local company gave one of their employees a, a, a promotion and a raise. 
And it took this person, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I mean, this was a, this was an hourly worker, and it took them from you know, let's say twelve dollars to twelve fifty. She came back to him a week later and says, "I I don't want the race. Please take the race back, because it caused that increase of income caused her to lose certain uh, benefits, some some childcare benefits, some food benefits that the raise." would not be able to offset and that that very real world example very much hit me because you know i'm coming from my side oh you want to give me more money <laughs> sure i'll take right. more money and, yeah. it, and it's it's not that w- that wouldn't be a question that's not a life experience luckily it's not a life experience i've had but it is a very real and current experience that a lot of people have. And if you don't know that, you wouldn't think that. And the person that gave them the raise was just so stunned and went, you know, what how, what, what I do next time? How do I, you know, how do I give, how do I help my employees in real ways, you know, ones that really deserve it? And so again, that's a whole, that's a whole other podcast. Oh, it is. But it's, <laughs> we'll call you. But anyway, it's, it's your point of bringing diversity to council it is critical and something that should be promoted and, and ways, ways to, to go about that. And it's one of those, you know, when you look at Stillwater, how, how do you want to slice up the pie? You know, what, what divisions equal diversity? Well, we got a thousand we could choose from. And I think we, as a community with who we have elected, I think we've, I think we've taken some good steps, but I don't think we should be patting ourselves on the back and saying, done, it's all, we don't need anything else. But I, I am very pleased that we are, I mean, we do have different viewpoints now than we had 10 years ago. True, true. There is a lot of debate and discussion about issues, which is good. I mean, I think even in those times when we've had those outsider perspectives, meaning someone who is just not in sync at all with the rest of the city council, you know, and usually what happens is that person has their say and then they vote and it's four to one. And it's that way for a really long time, you know, and and there are times when you have those situations and you just know this is going to be one of those, you know, there's going to be a long string of four to one votes, you know, but Having said that, there's some value in that person bringing up those issues, right? Even if it's that person who says government shouldn't do anything but pick up trash and fix the streets and a policeman should be at the other other end of the phone when I call 911. Right. You know? I, I agree. I I think the phrase that we used was, if every vote's going to be 5-0, why are there five of us up here? Right. You know, four people are, are not using their time effectively. And so there are very, there were very few votes that, in my opinion, needed to be five zero. And those kind of votes are the the huge fundamental things. I, I I want I want if you're making a change of city manager, I want that to be a unified council doing it. If you're trying to put a bond on a ballot, that better be a five zero vote kind of things. Af, after those just big boulders i'm all for the the difference of opinion with that said someone voting opposite just for the sake of voting opposite well that's not really accomplishing much either right i can see that what are the major issues you think that the new counselors are going to find themselves facing if they get on the you know whoever gets on council some of them are nothing new. I mean, the stuff that we, we always deal with, we're always going to be dealing with the budget questions and how do you apply that money. I, I, I think one of the things that the the new counselor, or in the next year, all the counselors, but the new one because they're new, that they're going to be faced with, I, I'm hoping that there is a, a renewed emphasis on I'm going to use the cliche phrase, and then I'm going to ask for a little little bit of, let me nuance it a touch, but job creation. Now, I say it's create it's cliche because job creation, let's roll it back to the question I asked that young professional group, whose responsibility is it for? I don't think that it's our local government's responsibility, much less sole responsibility, to be you need to go find new jobs for Stillwater. Well, that's just unrealistic. And 
is actually a very not my responsibility yours cop out approach. With that said, city council, in my opinion, should be making policy decisions and applying the budget in ways that help the groups that are trying to either create jobs or lure companies or, you know, companies existing expansion possibilities, city bringing its tools to bear to help in those ways. To me, city government in this context, they're in the assist role, not in the driver role. But they need to be in the assist role with the mindset of we are here to assist and here are the tools we have and here are tools we didn't know we could have, but let's go find what tools we can't have type of ways. But not necessarily the driver in job creation, quote unquote. Okay. Anything else? I mean, what do you think about infrastructure? How are we doing there? Well, after we've thought out, we're going to really know. But <laughs> right? I, I, I think that... I think council can learn a lot. I want to take one step back and then go forward on that. Sure thing. I think one, do you know why we don't have a 15-year master plan that we're seven years into for the city of Stillwater? No, why? If we have one, maybe it's sitting on a shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Because we are on a single-term mayor since 1999. Hadn't thought about that. Go back and do the math on that. And yes, I'm right in the middle of that. Okay. That that process. Now, I'm not trying to say the mayor is the king. But you're saying lack of continuity of vision. The lack of the consistency and the this the same same voice, same mindset. We every three years we had a new person having to learn to be mayor. Done by and the time they, they figured they were it done. out. And for some not reelected for others term limited out and so it's just a you know it, it hadn't been a one reason why but you tack on seven to eight one term mayors and the it's it's the same going back to what you said why government can't operate like a business yep. i mean a business is going to go out by kind of your own failings so the CEO is usually not worried about being voted out if it's not, you know, a publicly or, or term limited or term limited. <laughs> yeah. Like, up, oh, it's only your your three years for for CEOs yeah. done. Let's get somebody else in here. Well, and with these plans, too. I mean, honestly, when I hear a 15 year plan, it's like, that sounds great. But I mean, there are projects that take 10 years to come to fruition. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's not even enough to get a couple of major projects done. It, it actually. Not, and so I think that lack of consistency okay. Is as is something that we've we've we, we need to face and just accept that they, these are the facts, and so there are a lot. With that said, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time we get a new mayor. Yeah, and we and you don't have to dump things from before now. There may be some things you want to get rid of that are <laughs> valid. And, you know, and I, I'd, I'd point to the, the Water 2040 plan. When that plan was designed and, and, and put in play, that was, I want to say, 2012, 2013, somewhere in that, Ish, in yeah. that range. The plan itself had a construction completion date of 2025. And the name of Water 2040 was this plan is going to provide us sufficient water distribution capacity through the projected demands of 2040. I haven't heard a lot about the Water 2040 plan lately. That could be because it's just running along smoothly. It's It's almost done. It seems to be rolling along smoothly in a lot of the larger construction projects for the moment are are pretty much they're wrapping up you know because of course the thing you were hearing about the most was the lack of water pressure in the southwest quadrant of the city and those of the things that were really driving people crazy the things where they went to turn on the faucet to take a shower and it was just dripping out 
those are those have been handled so yep. you're not hearing quite as much from the public and a lot of the other stuff is like oh we're going to go ahead and replace that booster station pump now yeah, you know it's not the sexy not, stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's not the stuff people are mad about they just don't know so but that as an example of we've got a lot of good stuff in play yeah it's running in the background all the time and there's no reason to start over on that kind of stuff now analyze it is it still doing what it's supposed to do tweak as necessary but you know some consistency on things some consistency on the leadership side and is 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 critical even when the true fundamental i mean if if we look back just going from from me to mayor noble to, to mayor joyce the three of us are we were a lot alike in a lot of ways. I mean, we if you were to put us up against a wall and say, your position on this, there'd be a lot of consistent answers. There would be a lot of different answers also. And the it's it's those difference in the answers, whether they're on huge things or on little things, that that I'm I'm pointing at on a consistency basis. And so I think that one of our problems has been we're constantly starting over. We're constantly having to jumpstart things. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's something and, Chris said earlier about the, can't you just pick that up off the shelf? It makes yeah. you think like, hey, didn't, <laughs> yeah. we, didn't we pay a consulting firm 50 grand yes. uh, for that plan five years ago? Well, and know? it's one of those, I will, one thing I have been Im- impressed with, and this is one of those, again, go, tying us all full circle, you know, wh- what is it that you expect from government? Well, I'm willing to bet that if you, if you ask someone that that's their position, of core services only. I bet they would not think that the communications and marketing department for the city is a core service. I would absolutely disagree with them and think that it is a core service for a multitude of reasons. And number one is communications with citizens Mm -hmm. and the ability to say, and having that dedicated I think we're at three now. We probably need more, but but having dedicated people who their job is how do we share information? How do we obtain information? How do we put stuff out there so people will know in real time? In, in as close to real time as we <laughs> as can, as possible. Yes, is is important. And I, I'm going to pick on the Puma plan. Oh, oh yeah, the dreaded favorite, Puma okay? plan. The, the Puma plan. We've heard so much about you, Puma plan. <laughs> yes, and I, I, I remember early on in my time here in Stillwater, and is is you know I'd probably been here five, six-ish years, and the the all the information gathering groups right. were being put on by Puma, and I remember I was part of a downtown business owner group. And John, for people who are not familiar with the with the famous Puma plan, what exactly is it? Just so people know. And why is it called the Puma plan? <laughs> that was the name of the consulting firm. Exactly. It's like Pittsburgh, and, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's something. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's an acronym. Right. Um, <laughs> nothing I, to do with Pumas. Yeah, nothing to do with no. Pumas. We're not changing, even though why is our city logo an elk? But it, that's I don't a know. whole other conversation. A Puma. It should <laughs> be a Puma um, at this point. It might be a Puma now. I always referred to it as the Z plan because that's really what it was. But it was like a master plan for developing for downtown, downtown, right? Downtown, down functionally 12th and Duck to 6th and Main as rough geographic markers. And it created a Z of development up Duck, across 9th, up Main. It's a rough Z, but hey. Okay. And that plan came up with, you know, do these 15 things. You got 15 action items. We've actually done like nine of them, but who knows that? Nobody. (laughs) I didn't even know that. And so let's roll it back to what is a marketing department and the communications department. You You know, we spent money to get a plan. We have implemented things from the plan. Great, but if... You don't know it, then you can't say that money was valid money spent. Even though we haven't gotten through all fifteen, we have gotten maybe it's eight, but you know we we did a bulk out of that plan, and we still have that plan ready to go if the timing can be right, if the finances can be right, if the motivation can be right. But the plan on the shelf. <laughs> 
<laughs> is a very valid frustration point. Well, I, like the current example is that they're getting ready to do the next phase of Strickland Park. And some people are like, why are they shutting down the park? I mean, it's one of those, there's a plan. And I mean, sometimes we go put up a billboard and it's like, okay, we're at this phase. And then maybe that billboard went away. I don't know. But they put the billboard up on Main Street where you're going (laughs) 35 miles an hour. And what am I going to learn from that? But it's it's that that need for that communication. But then we've got so few people on communicating. They also got to balance out like, well, we need to let people kind of know when they might lose power or uh, mask mandates. Been like there's so much more going on now. And so I think some things get lost in the shuffle or just dropped. I And I would posit that there might be a place where people can go to learn things. I think that's called local news. For a small fee, they can find a lot of local information all in one place. They, they certainly can. And with, with history and knowledge behind it. And what, what we're describing here, again, it's not a new phenomenon. This is one of those things that we we banged our head against the wall multiple times of we we put stuff out there, but people still don't know. Well, there's also some personal responsibility on people to to learn. And so the I think the probably the most valid approach and expectation level from a city councilor and from a city standpoint is we've got to make this available in a user-friendly, easy way for people because we can't shove it down their throats. Mm-hmm. Two words, John, door knocking. <laughs> yeah, no. Because <laughs> then you hand them an encyclopedia that gets tossed in the fireplace. Well, and that, that kind of gets to the crux of not to necessarily talk about us, but why we started this thing was we don't really have that many formats for these long form or medium form discussions, either on topics, local politics and stuff like that. And, but then we've got like professionals here, professional journalists that can go through and they, they know they keep track of all this stuff. They know the right questions to ask. And then it's just getting people to the table. So then hopefully people can get more engaged. Yeah. Well, and as you keep saying, things are more nuanced than than they appear on social media, than they appear in a headline, than they appear, you know, just on first glance. You know, the cover of the Puma plan doesn't tell you that much when you look into it and then you start looking at the history of it and why this part of it didn't happen and everything. I mean, those are the discussions we need to have so people can kind of understand what's going on. Yeah. I, I did want to ask you just to, to talk a little bit about why... Why should people, I think people hopefully who've been listening know this already, but why should people care so much about city council and why should people care enough to run for it? What's, what's important about that? I love that question. The, the surface level answer on why should people care about it is your city councilor's decisions are going to have more of a day-to-day impact on you than what senators in Washington are going to do. I'm not saying that they aren't going to impact you because yes, they will, but they're not the ones that are making the decisions on what your trash rate is. And they're not the ones deciding on a budget to determine what money is funding police and fire and roads or where we started today or mask mandates. And so your local government is having more day-to-day touches with you than any other level of government. That in of itself should be why you care. I think a deeper reason is we're, we're at a place in life and society where almost everyone can choose where they live. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't come with costs, And you could say, well, no, I've got to live here because this is where mom and dad are and they need me. No, you've got the choice and you're choosing to live here because that's what's right for you. But it's still a choice. And with, again, what the pandemic has shown us, working remotely, working away from a big office is exasperating that or expressing that even more. I mean, Tulsa's got their work remote Tulsa plan that they're you know, rolling out about six months too late, but still go for it. Northwest Arkansas is doing the same thing. And so I hadn't heard that one. So it, it rolls back to people can choose 
more now of where they live than ever before. And you've got to decide where you want to live. And you're making it for your choices and your reasons. And you need to care about your city because a city is just like everything else. You're either improving or you're not improving. And I was trying to be positive with that. Okay. <laughs> you're, if you're not growing, you're dying. <laughs> and so that's what he meant. So thank you both. Having some engagement and knowing what is going on and why is it better, you know, what can be done to make it better, this place that I have chosen to live. I want this place I have chosen to live to be the best it can be is I think the more either heartfelt, philosophical, but truer reason of why being engaged has benefits and why more people should be engaged. And that's why I love the size, honestly, that Stillwater, we talked about the size of mm-hmm. where we're at is because you can make a significant contribution in a community our size still. You know? Totally agree. So, you know, to those remote workers that, you know, have those coastal salaries, you know, come to Stillwater and and like oh, a you can actually, well, <laughs> but I mean, you, you can, you can actually get to that core ground level on a lot of things that, that need to be done to and, and have, have a real impact and bring that difference of viewpoints and different life experiences and really hit it in a community our size. I got accused way too often when I was on council of, you're willing to have growth of Stillwater at all costs. You just want Stillwater to be, uh, you know, I'm just kind of going. Edmund. They always say that. Yeah, they always. They want you to be. We, we, you want we us don't to want be, to be Edmund. Edmund. We don't want to be Edmund. And of course, I'm sitting by going, well, okay, one. Edmund's Edmund because it's got Oklahoma City right next to it. So <laughs> stop. And I would say, no, time out. My, my hope, my, my belief, what I want Stillwater to grow. And by grow, what do I mean by that? I mean population. I mean jobs. I mean businesses. I mean recreational activities. I mean options of everything you do during the day. I want that to grow until we have to start thinking about having a second high school. Is that your breaking point? That's my breaking That's the stop line. <laughs> okay. Line in the sand. And I'd get a look like, what in the, where did that come from? <laughs> that's a good indicator. And it, it one, it, it means there's growth. All right. A second high school causes immediate division. Oh, that's true. And I'm not talking about all of a sudden you split up your athletes into two different teams. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, talking the Spartans versus the, versus the Wildcats. Yeah, I'm talking about all of a sudden your community is now divided as to where potential loyalties are. And all of a sudden you're on the other team. You've got a different jersey than I have on. And while it's not like our football stadium is always packed and high school football and basketball are not the most important things going on, but psychologically, everyone that lives here is a pioneer. Even if you're not participating in sports, that's still your school. That's still what your graduation announcement's going to read. And now let's flip it to the next level. I, as a business, donate to different causes from the school. And I will put on our social media and our stuff, Go Pioneers. As soon as I have two high schools... You got to do both. I am either have to do both, and now I'm ticking everybody off. Or neither. <laughs> or neither. And I'm now just irrelevant to the topic. Or I choose one for whatever reason that may be, and now I've got my jersey on and you got your jersey on. Well, and then you also have that, I mean, we've already got parents right now that are trying to relocate their kids to Morrison or other school districts because of the current situation that's temporary a little bit. But I would see the same thing. Oh, I got to move to the other side of town so my kid can go this high school. Yep. And the perception of this school is better than and those kind of things. Or my kid's a golfer and they need to be at that school. Or my kid is, you know, a singer, so they need to be at that one. And so there's my cut line. Was there, is there a population number you think that's tied to that? Oh, I doubt you're out of my wheelhouse <laughs> yeah, now. Like, that's but like, we don't want to be bigger than yeah. 80,000. I mean, it, there probably is a population number, but it's also going to be a current facility. You know, yeah. what is the building 
you know, wrapping into each other. But anyway, yeah, there's my cut line is I want to okay. grow until. Okay. okay. You know, and actually, I think that's a whole other podcast episode right there. <laughs> it's like the, that really goes to the point of schools as the as the heart of a community. The thing that people kind of coalesce around it as a source of community identity. The ability for me to be here and do this is partly because my kids are in school today. There you go. So thank you teachers. Thank you to the teachers and administrators and all the people that maybe weren't so on board with the current plan. But thank you for going along. And it's I think it's going to make a, a huge, huge difference. But once again, that's another topic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but well, I mean, is there anything either one of you guys have on the spot now? No. Bo, I've got a question for you, maybe that you'll because I think you you might know these numbers off the top of your head. This is more the political campaign numbers game. Uh Ariel Ross has some numbers to possibly catch up where she's got to be able to get votes from um, other people. Right. Um, and Christie's got a, a little bit of a, I think, a, a cushion there. But it would be interesting to have that conversation with them in person to see uh, what they what they think they're going to be able to pull off. Hey, if you have that, can I stand outside with a glass to the door and <laughs> listen in? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Christy won almost 41% of the vote. Okay. At uh, 986 out of 2,412. Ariel was at 552. So there are still, if you're just looking at that base of that group of voters, yeah, I mean, there's still another seven, 800 votes out there. Ariel was what a little under twenty five percent. Yeah, I think it was like twenty four point something percent. It's going to be real interesting. Or at one point yeah, it was almost twenty three. Okay, almost yeah. twenty three. And this this is a every election comment. We used to take the approach on on campaigning and elections that there are a lot of similarities in running a campaign for an election as running a campaign or an, an ad campaign for a for a store like a sale. The fundamental difference in, hey, I run a retail shop and I've got an ad campaign saying, come shop here. I'm saying, hey, we've got a two-week-long sale going on on these topics, and you're giving people two weeks to come participate. Versus a election is, hey, I want you to take a specific act on a specific day, and that's the only chance you got. And it seems to be one of those rare things that scarcity, meaning one day to do it, doesn't cause increased demand. (laughs) Uh, You know, bottom line, if a store said one day only sale of pick the thing. Anything at 50% off, literally anything. Maybe that's what we need to do to get more voter turnout. We offer some like toilet paper or some (laughs) other things that we might say is scarce. You can go to jail after that. (laughs) Well, you could make the argument that some people went to the polls and because their person didn't win, they're not going back. So there may not be another 800 votes out there. There may not be. Which would then mean a much lower turnout than I think Mayor Joyce's was 3,000. That, yeah, that sounds, that about, sounds right. about right. Yeah. The, the counterpoint to that is we're going to have three things to vote on that day, being two school board races and the city runoff. Will that bring out some that didn't vote? For? And this is and actually that's a that raises a great point. We in Stillwater, when was the last time you got asked by? Pew polling, what your thoughts were on the city council race and who you're going to vote for. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. We, we don't have the resources to get a true pre polling or pre election poll that our, our state candidates won't even pay for polling. Yeah. So expensive. And so hmm. we, it's one of those we can sit there and go, okay, history tells us and common sense would tell us. And, you know, my, my gut thought is. But, you know, I don't have a clue on April 6th if adding the third candidate or the third race will cause an increase and how much will be offset from the people that I voted, my candidate that I specifically went and voted for didn't win, so now I don't care, versus the 
on April or on February, whatever. Think about how much it rained that right. better, day. Better weather post-pandemic. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, factors, what, yeah. what, what effect's going to be yeah. what? Maybe. Between, Maybe post-pandemic. Between now and that election, <laughs> Cross our fingers. what's city council going to do that's either going to very much please and or very much tick off people that may motivate or demotivate? I mean, there are just so many factors that that go into it that... I finally, I had someone finally tell me, you've got to stop trying to analyze this because we don't have the information to truly get there and you're solely operating off emotion. You're calling it reason, but it's really just emotion. And so I kind of went, yeah, I am. (laughs) So it's tough. I mean, it's tough. We want to make sense of the world, don't we? Yeah. And it doesn't always make sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't predict. So much is driven by emotion. I've been reading a a book lately that just talks about that, how so many people think they're rational, but we're all operating off our emotional brain. Absolutely. We are. Yeah. It has huge impacts on us. Well, John, this has been great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. You are a, a, just a font of information and wisdom about city council. We do appreciate that. I'm happy to share it, and and it's and when you, when you ask if I would do it, you know one one of the reasons I said yes is one it, it just interests me, and I and I am thoroughly engaged. But I do truly believe there's not enough conversation, and it's one of those. Hopefully, someone if they hear about this and go, oh, Bartley's going to be on there. They'll say, oh, I want to listen to that. Or they're going to say, that guy makes me so mad. I got to hear what he has to say because I'm doing the opposite. But either way. Even if they hate listen. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those it's a win-win. information shared that I I, I I hope is helpful. And it, it, it was fun. I mean, regardless. I, <laughs> I think it was super interesting. I really do. And thank you so much, Bo. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And I know you guys know how valuable my time is. So. We do. Uh-huh. So it makes it even more special. <laughs> Got a bag of cash sitting for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And everybody have a great day. Our mission at Studio Stillwater is to elevate local voices to tell local stories. You can get in touch with us via email, studiostillwaterok at gmail.com. Or slide into our DMs on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also send us a voice message by going to anchor.fm forward slash Studio Stillwater. Just hit the add message button to record right from your phone or computer. We would love to feature your voice in a future episode. Finally, check out the show notes. There you will find links to everything we discussed on the show. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time.